Alright, we are rolling. Da, 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 da. Between the time when the oceans drank Atlantis and the rise of the sons of Arius, there was an age undreamed of. And unto this mass movement, destined to bear the jeweled crown of geekdom upon its troubled brow, it is we, mass movement's chroniclers, who alone can tell thee of its saga. Let us tell you of the days of geek adventure. Hello everybody, welcome to episode 47 of Mass Moon Presents, sponsored by Engineer Records. As ever. Uh, Tim's here again. How are you, Tim? I'm alright, Chief, how are you? Excellent, excellent, excellent. Uh, this week we're going to be talking... About all sorts of shit. Oh my god, yeah, well it's two big previews we got to talk about, because uh, they're going to be dropping uh, by the time you read this. Listen to this read even. This? Listen to this even. <laughs> I'm reading, I'm reading the podcast. <laughs> You're doing it wrong, woman. You're doing it wrong. <laughs> So that's uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi uh, on Disney Plus and Stranger Things. <sighs> yeah, I mean, that's that's just going to be too massive. Yeah, but it's, it's like Stranger Things has been split to two halves this year, isn't it? So it's like yeah. part one of the season, then part two of the season. That's it's right. Like, oh, it's like they're making one season after this, and then that's it. And that's done. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're going to be continuing our journey through the, uh, the Doctors and uh, Doctor Who. So we're going to look at the fourth Doctor, uh, Tom Baker, this, this time around. Uh, as for classic movies, we'll be looking at... Chuck Norris movies as a collection. Chuck Norris, Chuck Norris is entirely <laughs> yeah in one Chuck Norris, ten minute segment. The, the entirety of Chuck Norris. <laughs> I'm betting up some broomsticks on boss level. Hell yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Cool. We're going to be deep diving uh, the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones, who uh, recently split up sadly. Um, that, that that was a kick, yeah that was a kick in the balls. That was because I love the Boss Tones. And we're going to have an interview with Marie Centro. Yeah. Yo, what's up? This is Billy from Biohazard Power Flow and Billy Bio. You're listening to Mass Movement Presents. Peace. So, uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Dun, 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 oh, man. Dun, 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 so, we've got a trailer. Christopher. What do you think of the trailer? It was everything, wasn't it? It was just... Yeah. Oh, God. See, the thing is, I, I wouldn't have given a shit about a trailer. I, I couldn't have cared less about it. Yeah. All I care about is the fact that we're getting Darth Vader mm-hmm. and Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah. Don't care? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anything else, take me back. Just take me back to Tatooine and let's get those lightsabers buzzing japs. And... <laughs> 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 so, yeah, we've obviously in the trailer we see uh, little Luke. Mm-hmm. Oh, what we assume is that Luke, obviously, but we we don't know at this point. Uncle it? Ben and Al Baru pre yeah. pre being made crispy. Yeah, <laughs> pre southern fries. <laughs> <laughs> pre too long in the smoker. <laughs> pre stormtrooper barbecue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. But who was missing from the trailer, and uh, it was quite it was quite interesting. People picked up on was Leia, right? Um. And the fact it's called a new hope. Sorry. Um. It says sorry. Mentions hope. The whole trailer is about hope. Right, but why would Leia be in this? So, at this point, she's now in Alderaan, isn't she? With... Yeah, so we're assuming, right, that the action 
actually leaves Tatooine. When I would have said the action won't leave Tatooine because it's focusing on Obi Wan Kenobi. He, we know yeah. he didn't go anywhere. He stayed there to look after Luke. We know Luke didn't leave the planet. So if Luke didn't leave the planet, why would Obi Wan and why would we see Princess Leia? I think the point is, so the Inquisitor. We obviously saw the Inquisitor, right? Uh, who's been and the Inquisitors have been sent out by Vader um, to track down Obi Wan. Uh, it's whether he becomes aware of Luke and Leia, I suppose, right. isn't it? So, by not featuring Leia in Obi Wan, mm-hmm. you then get a chance to have a series called Leia, Leia, yeah, right? yeah, and show Leia's Leia growing up and becoming a member of the Resistance. Yeah, you know, turning from a spoiled, pampered princess into a fully a soldier. fledged soldier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I want to see. Leia, the teen years. I don't. Why split? Why split the show up? Yeah. Why split the show up when you can make two great kick-ass shows about two great characters? Agreed, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's the way I would do it. But I mean, about Disney giving my job. <laughs> but the, uh, yeah, the anticipation is obviously for the showdown, you know. Uh, you think there'll be one? See, I don't think there'll be a showdown between Vader and Kenobi, not a massive one. Well, the kind of I haven't felt for a long time. Yeah, 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 yeah. So. I, you know, at last we meet again, you know, sorry, last time we met, I was the... Apprentice, you, you, you were the master, master, and I was the apprentice. Yeah, I mean that could be assumed. Also, there's another one, but if Vader and Kenobi meet on Tatooine, mm-hmm. when they go back to Tatooine, Vader would automatically know that Kenobi was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they got to try carefully. If they're going to do yeah. it, they so to I don't carefully. think they'll. I don't think they'll meet. Okay. I really don't think they meet. I think what we'll see with Vader is Vader working his way up through the Imperial ranks, yeah, and showing his power to the Empire, and becoming the formidable sort of general that he is okay that's what i think yeah yeah yeah. and obi-wan just sort of what, overlooking luke keeping luke, luke safe yeah yeah kicking yeah. the shit out of everybody that comes yeah. too close like and obviously this inquisitor is you know the, a big deal as well yeah the dude we saw in the uh we've seen him in um clone wars but this is his first on-screen proper on-screen appearance like you know i bet you busted a big chris chubby when you saw him didn't you mm-hmm. he's like it's torn through my trousers oh no <laughs> People were, God, some of the criticism for the, the Inquisitor was like how he looked. But you look at the character that's drawn, nobody looks like that ever. He's like this skinny, like ridiculously skinny, tall. Yeah. But the thing is, like, fandom is, is incredibly, can be incredibly toxic. And yeah. Star Wars, you know, just accept Star Wars for what it is. Yeah, yeah, Embrace yeah. it, love it, be part of the franchise. Don't, yeah. Be like, you can't do that with Star Wars. Yes, you fucking can. Yeah, 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 Absolutely. Yeah. And you can take Star Wars in any direction you want to take it. You know why you can take Star Wars in any direction you want to take it? A long time ago in a galaxy, far, far, far away, away. Yeah. a galaxy. It's a galaxy. It's not yeah. all about the little rules you say. Well, you can't yeah. do that. Exactly. Science fiction. You can do anything you want. Right. It's a fantasy story. Yeah. It's more, It's a, it, Star Wars is a modern fairy tale. Yeah. Right? It's a modern sort of lax kind of fairy tales that are just generally interlinked and, and brought together. And that's why it can be anything it wants to be. Yeah. And we should let, I mean, we've not been led astray so far um, yeah. with, with um, how things have gone with the TV um, stuff. Admittedly, the the Book of Boba Fett was a bit slow to get started. Yeah. Um, and it should have really been called Mandalorian Season 2.5. But, yeah. but, but Rancor. But anybody <laughs> riding a Rancor is worth waiting yeah, around for. Exactly, you know? yeah. So what, what do you, what do you, yeah. you know, people bitching the morning, I don't like that, I don't like kids riding bikes. So you've never seen, like, you don't know that George Lucas was a was a 50s rebel who lo- loved dragsters and he was used to yeah. seeing bike gangs and kids going wild on bikes and cars. Yeah. That's what it's all about. It's the spirit of youth. 
you go back to George Lucas's um youth, yeah, his youth yeah. and his his upbringing. He was and a you can see you can see bits of Star Wars everywhere. Right, exactly. Yeah. And you know, the first film that George Lucas made that had a massive impact on the world, American Graffiti. Yeah. What's that about? It's about cruising and kids hanging out on a Saturday night looking to escape yeah. small town life. What does Luke do? He escapes small town life and arguably a hot rod. Yeah. Not flies, a hot rod. Yeah. He loved like the, the pulp serials and stuff like that and like uh, he liked the early Flash Gordon and Buck Rogers. And yeah, and he, he liked a lot of the a lot of the World War Two uh, yeah. visuals, like um, were an inspiration to some of the vehicles. Right, you know? so it can be anything anybody yeah. wanted to be, and yeah. that's the beauty of Star Wars. Yeah. It should you shouldn't be limited by a set of canonistic rules that have infor- just pushed you into a certain corner. And if fandom doesn't like that, fandom yeah. can lick my hairy old man clackers. And this is from a man who's been there since the start. Fucking right. So, January 1978, bitches. Yeah. He's got nothing to do with it. Because, no. again, our generation uh, are often uh, accused of, um, you know, of being sticklers for Star Wars sort of... Uh, Canon and mythology. No. Yeah. I abs- no. I mean, the thing I, the only thing I don't like about Star Wars that changed yeah. was the crawl. Because when it was first released, the oh, new Star Wars part, yeah, it wasn't New Hope, yeah. New Hope. Yeah, 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 that was added later. I yeah. don't see the need for a New Hope, yeah, it stands alone as a film, so it should be Star Wars and Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back, Star Wars, Return of the Jedi. That's just a great thing, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's yeah. a personal yeah, yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, I don't, yeah. you know, I understand why it was done, hmm. you know, I really do. Why you wouldn't want to see any more of this world, you know, so you've enjoyed Star Wars, yeah, you know, as a youngster, why you wouldn't want to keep on seeing any more of this world, exactly, exactly, you know, why and why you would say. Well, you've got to be confined by this and that. No. Yeah. You know, I think at the moment, Kevin Scott is writing some of the greatest Star Wars stories oh, he really is. ever put down on paper. The stuff he's doing with the High Republic. Dude, he's era. just yeah. knocking out the park, yeah. you know? And Kevin Scott is a dude our age. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. He fell in love with Star Wars the same way we did. Yeah. He's not limited by the constraints of mythology. And the more you, the more, more fandom limits itself, the more toxic it becomes. We saw that yeah. happen with Doctor Who. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whittaker. yeah. It started happening with The Walking Dead. It happens when people get too engrossed in something and believe that this is the only way it should be. Yeah. If you've got a universe to explore, explore that universe. Give me the stories I crave. Give me the stories I want. And when the writers start pandering to those, um, you know, to those sort of people, it's fucked. It's, yeah, you, you everything know. goes downhill. Yeah. It's just you make a mockery of what, yeah. it, should, what it was originally intended to be. Let, let the people who've been given the job of writing, let them do, yeah. they've been given that job on merit. Yeah, for some reason. And don't piss and moan about kids being in the films, like the end of The Last Jedi, when you got the kids staring up at the stars, they're going to become the next generation of kids. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because Star Wars is for everybody. Yeah. It's not just for you. Yeah, yeah. For everybody. You know? Well, mainly 48-year-old men. 48, 49. <laughs> <laughs> but, granted, <laughs> no. Yeah. It's Star Wars. Star Wars is, is, is a galactic pleasure that should be enjoyed by everybody. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that drops... Uh, it's probably be up by the time you've uh, listened to this I would hope not you lazy bastard <laughs> <laughs> oh, so there's been like you know um, Hugh McGregor's been doing some press right um, I've seen some of it but and obviously he's not giving anything away but one of my favourite things he said right is um, he's often caught going to a supermarket and, and force opening doors <laughs> I thought that was brilliant you're telling me you've never done the force opening of a door yeah but just, can you imagine like you're in Sainsbury's and wherever and like you, this is you McGregor oh my god he's just force opening right. doors <laughs> imagine right you're a five year old kid yeah right, and you see you and McGregor comes up come up walking up next to you in the supermarket he winks at you and he just goes like that and yeah. he opens the door it would make your yeah. 
year. It would literally, yeah. and that's why he does it because you know he understands the magic of fandom. Yeah. He understands the magic of storytelling. You've just made that kids. Uh, yeah, lot, absolutely. Child, yeah, um, is told us, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's just one small gesture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's an easy one, and it's. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was. I thought that was perfect. Hi, this is Alex Webster from Cannibal Corpse, and you're listening to Mass Movements Presents. Uh, speaking of perfect, um, Stranger Things. That's pretty perfect. Oh, Stranger Things, eh? Uh, so that's going to be uh, dropping very soon too. So was this is season four, isn't it? Season four, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So um, where are we at? With, so where well, do we, we leave? Sailor Steve, which is quite possibly one of the greatest things ever. <laughs> Sailor <laughs> Steve. Right, yeah. Which just maybe. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not really into like um, Funko Pops. Yeah. Or collectibles, as you know. Sort of when I saw the Sailor Steve Funko Pop, I actually wanted one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Like, oh, dude, that is just killer. You know, Sailor <laughs> Steve. And he's just making him parade around that little suit. It was just so funny. Yeah. You know, can you imagine how they approached him? So, Steve, um, so here's your wardrobe for season four, three, and uh, they gave him his little uh, his little shorts and little and bow tie. He and... just goes, dude, <laughs> dude, really? But he he stole the season. He stole that season. Yeah, he did. Yeah, Stephen Dustin stole that season. Completely. Yeah, yeah, and he was just awesome to see. So, where, where do we leave? Uh, so, Hopper is he's gone into Hopper the uh, mysteriously vanished. Yeah, but we know he's in a Russian prison. Yeah, that's right. And, and we know that David Harbour's going to come back as a badass with a shaved head who escapes from a Russian gulag, which is kind of similar to the character he played. <laughs> yes, it is. In Black Widow. In Black, yeah. So, okay. Uh, yeah. It's just he'll play with an American accent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is the the last season, isn't it? This is going to be the spell to... Yeah, no, I thought this. I thought it was the season after this one. I thought they were doing this season, and then there's another season after this. Or is this the last season? Oh, I don't know. Perhaps it is. Because I thought they were going to finish on a fifth season, and that was it. Man, I mean, they're all grown up now, aren't they? It's crazy. Yeah, but it don't matter, does it, you know? No, no, obviously not. I'm all grown up. I still play bloody Dungeons and Dragons. What's wrong with you? <laughs> no, what I mean is, it's, uh, it's, it's crazy when you watch the first season, because I recently had to watch all the first season. So right. I forgot a lot of it. And they just, they, they're like kids. Now they're all adults. Like, you know, it's, and obviously, it, it can continue throughout their whole time. It's like watching Finn Wolf. What is Finn Wolf had. Yeah. yeah. In Ghostbusters Afterlife. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And thank you. You're old enough to drive. You're nearly old enough to drive a car. Well, yeah. In real life, you're old enough to drive a car, but you're not in this film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And just seeing you sit behind the wheel of a car, and just thinking, you know, you could barely ride your bicycle in the first season. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And now yeah. this like. Yeah. Nuts. Absolutely nuts. But a wonderful, wonderful series, and it's captured the imagination. It made geekdom cool. It made D and D cool again. Yeah, you know? it did, yeah. And that is what I loved. And it pushed D and D the same way like ET originally pushed D and D back in the day because you see them playing this this wonderful game called Dungeons and Dragons at the beginning of ET. That's the only thing I've taken positive. The only positive I've ever taken from ET was that they played D and D. Yeah, yeah. And fuck an extraterrestrial. <laughs> oh, fuck Steven Spielberg. <gasps> oh, I know you love that film. It just, it just broke my heart so much. I've never ever been able to watch it again. Over. No, I've never got over. It. I, I would. It made me cry for days. <laughs> It's, it's on par with the fox and the hound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know that's the the way that, what he meant it to do. Like, yeah. you, you, so there's some some wounds just don't heal. <laughs> even after like forty, yeah. even after yeah, forty years. Yeah, yeah. Like you say, I mean, yeah, this is um, this generation's uh, Goonies, ET, close yeah. uh, close encounters, maybe you know that sort of thing. Absolutely, that's yeah. that sort of movie that defines your generation, or yeah. that TV that defines. More, yeah, more more akin to like this generation's Goonies, I imagine, rather than you know, yeah, uh, Close Encounters or anything like that. But yeah, definitely a definitely a Goonies type of vibe and feel. Yeah, 
And it, you know, because mo- and my yeah, one mo- of my sons is the perfect age. He's grown up with it, and um, he's gonna be heartbroken when it's all over. He's yeah. absolutely gonna be heartbroken when it's all over. Um, this this will be his like Doctor Who. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Doctor Who cancelled yeah. BBC in eighty nine. Like, no. Yeah, you know, and you know, if if he decides to have kids when he's older, um, he'll be watching this, no doubt, with his kids. Yeah, going on. This is right. Yeah, totally now, Sailor Steve. Yeah, <laughs> this is my favourite show when I was growing up. Yeah, yeah. So that's the impact I think it's had. Stranger Things. Um, yeah, they've all grown into sort of awesome actors. Actors anyway, in their own right. David Harbour, Winona Ryder, both awesome. We love David Harbour. And we love Winona Ryder anyway. Yeah, yeah. I've always loved Winona Ryder. Yeah. Well, yeah. A special place in my seat. <laughs> Harbour, Ryder. I would. I wouldn't have blanked out that tattoo. She oh was... no! I kept that. She was every nineties. Uh, 90s... Uh, 90s guys girl wasn't she yeah <laughs> yes yeah <laughs> I think let's, just, let's leave it at that before we go <laughs> on any seedy avenues <laughs> with Winona alright so that's Stranger Things season 4 uh, which is out very soon right hi this is Barney Veer from Night Farm Death and through my many years of association you're listening to Mass Movement uh, you watch this and I watch this because you watched it yeah boss level Amazing! How good was Boss Level? What a what a fun movie! Yeah, um, but, but more importantly, how how awesome was Frank Grillo in that? Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, dude. And I had I, you know it's the first time I see Frank Grillo as a leading man. Yeah, doing this kind of stuff and picked him as an action hero, and he doesn't get the role become an action hero till he's in his mid fifties. Yeah, yeah, you know, but he's just he's just a natural for it though. Yeah, yeah, he has like an innate charisma that just m- takes that film to the next. Yeah, level. yeah. So, for those who don't know, it's uh, basically the guy is stuck in a time loop where he's getting killed over and over and over. Yeah. And he, he he needs to figure out why, how, and how he can stop this and move on. It's like Groundhog Day with, like, car chases, yeah, yeah, explosions yeah. and martial arts and tons of science fiction tech. But he's so it's sort of blasé to it now because yeah. it's happened so many times. He goes, he's just like, yo, let's get it. And he's got that yeah. sort of laid-back New York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort of, yeah, yo. Actually, um, when he's, he, there's, a, there's a part in the movie he kind of gives up for a bit and he's lays in bed for a few days <laughs> just taking the beat <laughs> in just, the... Just, just getting that chopped yeah, off stabbed yeah. and crushed by yeah and he's just like oh whatever yeah yeah but when he, like, he... <laughs> it's also kind of significant because it's because of the villain in the film yeah Mel Gibson yeah yeah no, actually Mel. sort of you know making his reappearance and sort of being you know yeah, he brought fought... back by Hollywood but you know I think he filmed it in a bit Mel with that one it was just like, he was like, I'll stand there and smoke a big cigar. Yeah, yeah. I'll just be the evil anti semite Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll just be Mel, will you? Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. Naomi Watts, I was pleasantly surprised to see. I like Naomi Watts. Yeah. Um, I, I think her star has fallen a bit. I think she was on a bit of a... Right, a bit of a... away with you. The thing you... is, you know, when you're watching that film, the trouble with it is you don't want to watch anybody else except for Frank Grillo because he just dominates the whole thing from yeah yeah. You know, yeah there is nobody your eyes don't want to move anywhere else you don't want to listen to anybody else's dialogue because he's just so funny and yeah so yeah, yeah and you just go mate you know you need your own franchise they need to bring you back into the mcu or, or put you yeah in the MCU yeah or just give you a role that you were born to play you know? I, I thought it was lovely the way it's like um so he, he gets tired of as i said just now he gets tired of sort of trying to figure out why he's getting killed all the time yeah and, and focuses on that time with his son rather than anything yeah. else for a bit. Because um, he realises what's important in the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, uh, I can't remember what the timeline is, or if it's a few hours, depending on what he avoids, he ends up sort of spending time with his yeah. son. And, then, and it's just, 
Yeah. Which gives him then more motivation to find a way out. But it adds a sense of gravitas to the film and it helps build a character from like a two-dimensional actual hero into yeah. a fully rounded person you give a shit about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Um, so yeah, I just want to see Frank Grillo get his own franchise now. Yeah. Because, dude, fuck, Frank Grillo rules. Yeah. First, you know, first five minutes I thought, okay, this is like sort of going a bit of a Deadpool sort of way. Yeah. You know, it's like he's talking in the third person sort of like, you know. Yeah, but I, I like I like when that fourth wall is broken. I, I, yeah, I yeah, absolutely yeah. adore fourth wall breaking stuff because yeah. it makes me grin and makes me laugh like a lunatic. But it, but it, you could be forgiven for thinking, you know, and the movie would be good if it was just that. Yeah, but yeah. it's a lot deeper than that. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. It, it just works on every single level. Yeah, it's yeah. Just, oh, because it, it's on Amazon Prime now. If you haven't seen Boss Level yet, don't be put off by the title because it, yeah. it's nothing to do with video gaming. Just go see this film and just... Do yourself be a favor. blown away. Yeah, yeah. Blown away. Yeah. It's, it's not very often you, you go, you, you get blown away by a new movie you weren't expecting, and this yeah. will do it for you. It just came out of nowhere because I'd never even heard of it. It just landed on Amazon Prime. I thought, oh, I'll watch this because, you know, yeah. let's see what Greedo's like. Let's see if we can pull it off. And dude, he kills it at every single level, you know, every single moment of that film. Well, you, you told me about it. I was like, so I looked for it. I was like, oh, is this what he's on about? This looks <laughs> rubbish. Because the yeah. poster's not that inspiring no. or anything, it's, but it's awesome. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, check out for sure. Absolutely, the Hello, everybody. This is Igor Cavalera from Peprick Cavalera Conspiracy, and you guys are listening to Mass Movement Podcast. Doctor Who, Tim. Flowing down silver tube. I'm falling. Oh no. So yeah, continuing our series where we are looking at all the doctors one by one. We are now on. Tom Baker, the fourth Doctor. Fourth Doctor. Yeah, so uh, I'm a I'm a big fan of. Uh, this is my favorite of the old lot, if you like, if you want to. Right. I'm not sure if he's my favorite or I don't know. If I... He's my second favorite Doctor. Yeah, after. Um, Pertwee. John Pertwee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. When I think of all some of the classic uh, tales he's been in, oh, sorry, when I think of classic Doctor Who tales, yeah, yeah. he's in a lot of them. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I like his um, Genesis of the Dalek. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Horrifying rock. Yeah. yeah. It's just Destiny of the Daleks. Invisible Assassin. Yeah. The dude just rules from beginning to end. He did the Key to Time saga with Stones of Blood in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Like Stonehenge. Yeah. Oh, just, oh. I'm trying to remember the one that's the what's the Lovecraftian story with with Leela and it's oh, cosmic horror and all that kind of stuff. Is this what? Beasts. Tentacles. Yeah, the um. Shit. Uh, no. Doesn't matter anyway. So, Image of the Fender, yeah? Yep, the uh, best Lovecraftian Doctor Who story ever. Which, okay. And Tom Baker made one of arguably the greatest Doctor Who stories of all time, which was The Talons of Wayne Chiang. Yeah, yeah. Which is just superb. Like, you know, oh, mixing like pulp adventure with sort of. Oh, just, yeah, yeah. Pop adventure, murder mystery, horror, f- the future, science fiction. It just crams everything into one all-encompassing story. Okay. I, do, do, I don't think I've seen that one. Oh, mate, you've got to see the Tales of So, yeah, again, like, because there's a time when they were hard to get all of. So, uh, Tales yeah. of Zygons, I love. Tales of Zygons. Revenge of the Side, Genesis of Daleks. These ones. These... But every time I see Tales of Zygons now, do you remember that um, Walker's Christmas I've got? You'll know we'll be having a seat, will you? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Scottish accents sort of appearing in, in yeah, the yeah, icons. Yeah. And it just makes me think that Walker's Christmas advert. 
Yeah, yeah, I got you. Yeah, I can't be like, oh no, 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 no. What's happening? Now? Oh, you'll know. We'll be having a sit. Will you? Would you like a wee dram of whiskey? <laughs> a wee dram. A wee dram. <laughs> it will make you feel better, doctor. I love the side from this year. They're so um, not terrifying, but terrifying at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Because it's like it's basically cling film suits at this point. Well, they're, they're a little bit campy. Sorry, not cling film foil. Yeah, a little, little, little campier, but they're most yeah. frightening Cybermen. Uh, you know, are in the Tomb of the Cybermen, which is the first part of Troughton. Yeah, 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 or yeah. Second, Patrick Simon story because you know, you will be like us. Yeah, it's just that mon- monotonous um, yeah. and the, uh, the absolute lack of humanity. Yeah, and the thought of it being raised. Yeah, but Tom Baker just because he embraced the character to such an extent that he just became the doctor. He'd walk around with bags of jelly babies yeah. in his pocket. Yeah, and he had about the kids, and he, you know, the kids come up to him and he'd be like, "Yes, I'm the doctor. Have a jelly baby." Yeah, some of his mannerisms have stuck around, and yeah. um. Future doctors have sort of taken from that, you know. Yeah. Like, um, he had, he sort of pushed John Pertwee's eccentricity to a new level of yeah, delight, yeah, and yeah. happy delight, not just you know, not just oddness, but like you know, yes, I'm slightly odd, and yes, I'm slightly out there, but at the same time, I'm still the doctor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he brought that sort of like, it doesn't matter how much peril he's in, he'll sort of still smile at some point, like yeah, flash a smile turn in a moment from like yeah, bang, yeah, on. yeah. You know, not going to happen, and that's why I think um, David Tennant brought the Doctor. That there's no second chances. That's the kind of man I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The fact that Matt Smith could combine, combine like Patrick Troughton and Tom Baker into one performance. Yeah, and you know, imbued the both the best of both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His portrayal of the Doctor that was perfect. Yeah, which is why Matt Smith's my third favorite Doctor. Matt Smith's your third. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Sorry, first is shit. Okay, third Baker. Baker, Matt Smith. Wow. Mm. Yeah, I don't know a lot of people who go above Tennant over Smith. Like. No, Tennant's number four. Right, okay. Um, wow, okay. Yeah. That's surprising. Yeah, that so, what's your definitive um, episode or arc or, you know, serial? Right, so I have three. Yeah. Four, actually. Yeah. First place. Image of the Fendal. Yeah. Tannins of Wang Chiang. Yeah. Stones of Blood. Yeah. And Horror Fang Rock. Okay. Wow. I like the dark Victorian stuff and the sort of haunting, creeping cosmic horror that was introduced. Yeah. I like the, um, what's the one called? The Ark, something? Um, the Ark in Space. The Ark in Space, yeah. Where that's, that's a creepy. The frozen human colony in the future. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The creeping sort of wormy colony. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that defines Doctor Who for me. Humanity. Yeah. But it's, it's got that sort of, well, you was mentioning creeping cosmic horror. Yeah. It's got that all about it. Sort of, you've got to wait for the payoff. Oh yeah, yeah. And but that's all the best horror films will make you wait for that. Payoff. Yeah, they don't. They're not about gore. They're about story. you know it's coming. You know there's something going on. Right, but it's why Lovecraft, even though he's an abhorrent human being, why his books still work. You know, hundred years afterwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the Mountains of Madness, which is one of the greatest horror stories ever written, because it's got that slow creeping dread. You know something's happening, but he doesn't unveil it until the last. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, thirty pages, and then you just go, Jesus, yeah. that's absolutely terrifying. Yeah, yeah. it's it's a it's a slow reveal sort yeah. of thing. Um, and again, it, it, like I said, the arc in space um, it shows nece- you don't necessarily need those effects. Um, no, because they are oh, terrible. Any effects at all? Just the yeah, yeah, yeah. They are terrible. The green bin back yeah. going down, down the arc. It literally is that. Yeah, but. But, but it's, it's so good, good because the yeah. performance enhances the story. Exactly, yeah. And that, that, the story enhances the, the actor's performance. Yeah. And it's just wonderful. Uh, I like that, yeah. Tom Baker, um, I love Tom Baker as, as a doctor. He brought a lot to the, a lot of, um, 
all the signature Doctor Who things, what you think of when you Leela think. Leela, too. And Leela, yeah. Leela. Yeah. Um, I met Leela briefly. Louis Jameson. Yeah. I'm trying to think of where he was. It was a con. Yeah, and there was nobody at the table. <laughs> I felt terrible. I met but... Louis Jameson once. It was in my bathroom. <laughs> it was in her bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> I dropped my camera. <laughs> I'd ran. <laughs> Luckily, I was very quick that night. <laughs> okay, cool. So that's a uh, fourth doctor who was there for 800 and... Uh, no, he wasn't in 870 episodes. No, it was 870 episodes, including him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he was there for a lot. 74 to 82 yeah. years. So again, that, would he's that make the him? longest serving doctor. Well, act- After... technically, he's not. Because it was a... No, technically, Sylvester, Sylvester McCoy is yes. the seventh doctor because he went from 89 until 96. Uh, 96 97. Yeah, yeah. So he's like joint with. Even though he's only like, like three or four seasons or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah, but it doesn't matter. He's technically. Yeah, technically. It's that time. Yeah, yeah. I don't even, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Let's uh, let's move on. Well, actually, it might be Paul McGann now, won't it? Yeah, so ninety-seven to what was it, two thousand six? The reboot. Yeah, but he, but he appears in like that that small those yeah, yeah, yeah vignette. So he was still the doctor. Technically, he's still the doctor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't even thought about that. Yeah, you could be right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Geekiness. <laughs> yeah. What's up, everybody? It's John Bush from Armored Saints, and you are listening to the Mask Overbed Podcast. So blast it! Changing it up quite drastically. Uh, this is a classic uh, Disney movie. Uh, bed knobs and broomsticks. Oh, oh man! <laughs> I'm not a fan of. Uh... Oh, you're kidding? No, no, I, I like the movie Angela Lansbury though. I just why don't you like Angela Lansbury? I, I don't know why. I, I couldn't tell you why. She's like everybody's favorite grandmother. Yeah, I think it was murder she wrote. They did it for me. Oh, that just did my head in. Yeah, I think that's what did it, and I, I couldn't. Oh, what do you think? You fucking busybody. Yeah, so yeah. You got away with the murder. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. you, you interfering all that. Yeah, interfering. <laughs> yeah, interfering old bastard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just, look, leave them be. They've yeah, done, yeah. done the killings. Just let them go. My diamond smuggling caper was doing great until you fucking interviewed your old twat. So, you, so basically, you're you're casting Angela Lansbury in the same sort of light as Scooby Doo. Yeah, pretty except, much. Like, yeah. You don't accept in a more hated sort of light than Scooby Doo because everybody loves Scooby. <laughs> yeah, you hate Angela Lansbury. George, she's she's fucking she's ageless though. I swear. Oh, she's she's like a million years old. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> she really is. I'm sure. She's I, still alive. Yeah, she's she's still alive as well. Yeah. Bloody hell, Angela. <laughs> she bathes in the blood of young virgins at night. <laughs> to keep her sprightly in room. So go in uh, Ben Hobbs and Broomsticks. Oh, mate, what's not to love about it? Yeah, no, yeah, it's a, it's a classic, isn't it? It's, it's about witches and magic and good magic, good witches and, you know, making non-believers and turning, you know, people who are on the cusp of leading, yeah. a, leading a terrible life around and, you know, leading these kids into a magical, wonderful adventure and giving them a home when they need a home. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's just, oh, dude. And plus that animated football scene. It's just really, really Yeah, yeah. You know? So anytime I watch a football match, I go, no, I quite like it. <laughs> uh, it's got David Tomlinson as well, who she yeah. was in uh, Mary Poppins with. I like him. When I see him in in, in, in all Disney films, it just gives me... Um, Best David Tomlinson role. All the warmth. It's not this, and it's not Mary Poppins in my head. Go on. Herbie. Oh, yeah, yeah. Again, yeah, again, Herbie, yeah. Yeah, because he was like, he's always like, um, like the dastardly bad guy. Yeah, but, but he's, he's sort of like a more cuddly Terry Thomas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> you couldn't put Terry Thomas in these films. Yeah. He's like too much of a bastard. But you can put David Tomlinson in them because he was wonderful. 
Yeah. And he had a warm side to him, which you knew underneath. There's a redeemable part of his soul, you know? Maybe we're going to have to uh, deep dive at oh, some point. Of course we are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So when, when did you first watch uh, Ben Loves and Broomsticks? Uh, 80 something, I think like 81, maybe. 1981, 1982. There was a big like home market in, in video rentals at the yeah. time. And so we'd have a video film every Saturday. Yeah. So like in, in our house, it would be like we got the video shop, we went um, for video film for, and then get a chip shop. So you'd have like fish and chips in the lounge. Yeah. watching the video yeah yeah my folks would get a film for them as well like they'd want to watch yeah and sometimes like you know depending on what my or fellows and we either get a disney film like bed knobs and broomsticks yeah or we get like death race 2000 yes let's get this it's got cars and people being <laughs> like uh, how old are you eight nine that'll do uh, that's you know, that's exactly the same scenario as me yeah. except we had like a, a mobile um, video shop used to come around in a van. Oh, it's okay. It was like a van you yeah, stepped yeah. into and you could hire, and uh, yeah, it'd be one for the adults and then one for the kids. But I miss those like chunky cassette, yeah, cassette yeah. boxes like the Disney ones were always like white. Yes. Remember? Like white thick plastic with like a massive rim around the outside. Yeah. So that goes, there was, they were as big as a coffee table book when he's going off the <laughs> yeah. shelf. And the yeah. video was just inside like that. Yeah, like, like, like squeezed inside. Teeny weeny, yeah. teeny tape squeezed this big enormous box. It was, um, it was a good time though, man. Yeah, it was just, it was one of those, I even look at it now, it just takes me back, you know, even look at the cover yeah. now, um, just takes you right back, like, and oh, it's, it, it just jumped off the shelf at me, it's like, oh, kids, won't, won't choose a, a kids movie, one of those Fact. movies. And you got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah. just looked like, yeah. this is the kind of thing I'm going to really enjoy, I'm going to really Yeah, enjoy. yeah, yeah. And it stayed with me. My wife doesn't like it anywhere near as much as I do, she's more in your sort of school of thought about it. Right. right. Okay. Um, for me, it's on par with Mary Poppins quite easily, and I think it's an, under, I think it's an underappreciated classic. I think it's underappreciated, yeah, yeah, for sure. Because um, it's not mentioned with, with the classics. No. Half as much as But I think be. it's one of the, like, the last great Disney live-action films in most people's minds. After that, yeah. Yeah, like Blackbeard's Ghost, which is still a great film. Yeah. And then you follow the Herbie films and, you know, um, a, a, a Spaceman in King Arthur's Court. That kind of, you know, it's a start of a lull, isn't it? Yeah, and the Cat from Outer Space. They're all great films. I love yeah, them. Yeah, 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 me too, yeah. But they're not seen they, as... But then, like, it culminates in Condor Man, which sort of kills it all, all off entirely. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Which yeah. is ridiculous, because Condor Man is a fucking classic. Condor Man is great, yeah, yeah. Go back in the mass movement uh, archives, we've covered that one. Right? Uh, yeah, Condor yeah, Man's yeah, yeah. great. Condor Man is one of, is one of the all-time great film, Disney films. Another underappreciated classic, just like Bed Knobs and Broomsticks. I mean, I, I'm, I'm assuming everybody's seen Bed Knobs and Broomsticks at this point. Yeah, I yeah. mean... If you've got Disney Plus and you haven't seen Bed Knobs and Broomsticks, go rectify that, your mistake straight away. You um, watch yeah, it immediately, yeah, for sure. Go watch it. Last uh, film released prior to uh, Roy, Roy Disney dying. Was it? Yeah, the last of Disney, the two, the Disney Brothers. That's uh, sad. So that's 71? 71? Yeah, 71, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because... Yeah. I know the Roy Disney. This this is dreadful. This is one of the stupid little facts I know. Yeah. The when they built Disney World. Yeah. They built the Magic Kingdom. Yeah. Roy did the opening ceremony. Died two months later. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is just like heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is sad. Yeah. Look, I forgot. I forgot he was in as well. Who's first? Like. Oh God! Here's one of. I see an impression coming. We do. We'll do flick knife back. Yeah. yeah, I'll get you. I'll do a little tap dance while I'm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know. Higher or lower? Higher or lower? <laughs> uh, Brucey's bonus blowjob. I mean, Brucey's bonus. <laughs> <laughs> Ronnie McDonald. Uh, oh, 
mate, if you ever get a chance, and if I can dig it up, I've got, uh, you, you know Taz, you met Taz, yeah? Yeah, yeah. He does the best Bruce Forsyth impression I've oh, really? ever seen. It's just fucking wonderful. It's so funny. <laughs> and every time he busts it out, it just gives a twirl, gives a twirl, and it dances along with it. Yeah, it's hilarious. It's really funny. Awesome. Go check out. That's on uh, Disney Plus now. And um, also broomsticks. Yeah, do yourself a favor, man. It's underappreciated, and you will absolutely love it. And just it'll just take you back to childhood. You know, and everybody yeah, needs that at the moment. Yeah, yeah. A little bit of happiness in this bullshit Brexit, Boris Johnson society that we've been lumbered with. This is Roger from Agnostic Front. You're listening to Mass Movement Presents. Do we need? We need Chuck Norris. We need Chuck Norris. Chuck oh, we Norris. would do if Chuck Norris wasn't like a full-on like <laughs> chest beating. <laughs> right winger yeah which is a shame but it's a damn shame doesn't take away from his movies though nope doesn't take away from his movies so god wait look at, the, look at this for the list where'd you start with Chuck Norris the Wrecking right. Crew Way of the Dragon Student Teachers Yellow Face Tiger Breaker Breaker Good Guys Wear Black Force of One The Octagon Eye for an Eye Silent Rage Force Avengers Lone Wolf McQuaid Mission Action Mission Action 2 Code of Silence Aven- Invasion USA Delta Force Firewalker Braddock, Hero and Terror, Delta Force 2, The Hitman, Psychics, <laughs> Hellbound, Top Dog, Forest Warrior, Bells of Innocence, Dodgeball, Bird and Bogey, The Cutter, Expendables 2. Wow. Right. Okay. So, Chuck Norris. <laughs> lots and lots of films. Yeah. What was the first Chuck Norris film you ever saw? Uh, first, first time I saw him or first? So, first Chuck Norris film you saw. Do you remember? I know exactly what mine was. No, I don't. Right. So, we rented Convoy one weekend. Yeah. And we watched Convoy. Right, okay. And Convoy, as you know, is a film we'll go into in depth in the future. Episodes. We are, the yeah. Convoy is yeah. amazing. But because of the Convoy thing, yeah. the CB thing, we then rented Breaker Breaker. Oh, okay. Which had nothing to do with, you know, yeah, TV yeah. radio, apart from the fact that they featured Breaker Breaker in the title so they could sell more tickets. Yeah. And Chuck Norris was the truck driver. I think his brother's kidnapped or his wife's kidnapped or some relation's kidnapped. Yeah. And he goes in to rescue him and kicks the shit out of an entire town because, you know, he's Chuck Norris. Because he's Chuck Norris. Yeah, the first time I, I saw him was the um, uh, Bruce Lee. Uh, Where the Dragon. Where the Dragon, yeah, That yeah. fight is just, yeah. that fight's intense. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. my favourite Chuck Norris film. Yeah. Just because that sequence. Yeah. Because it's two masters of their art pitting themselves against each other and you know there's mutual respect between both yeah people. yeah and i know they became friends in real life they were sort of you know there was a they got on well yeah um but yeah that's my favorite chuck norris moment of all time you were a delta force fan no not really no have you seen delta force in the last 20 years if you have seen delta force in the last 20 years you will know why i'm not a delta force fan i've not known no right well if you watch it again it's like watching megaforce okay all right Except it's slightly more realistic. Right, okay. Flying motorcycles. <laughs> so where did you go after then? Uh, so Way of the Dragon, All right, I've Breaker got, Breaker. Breaker. I've Breaker Breaker, and there's three more Chuck Norris films I adore. Yeah. Okay? That's Good Guys Wear Black, Yeah. The Octagon, and Missing in Action. Okay. And that's it. After that's done then. And then Expendables 2. There's a long big break. <laughs> yeah. Chuck and then Expendables 2. <laughs> what was it? The Octagon and then what? Good guys wear black. Good guys wear black. And then the octagon. And Mr. In Action. And Mr. In Action. Mr. In Action 2? No? No. <laughs> Look at the covers. No, because they jumped the shark by that point. Yeah. They really had that. That was just completely like, oh, it's, it's, that, now you're taking the piss, Braddock. Colonel Braddock, you're taking the piss. It's worth going online, right? Anybody listen to this, just to look at the covers of these movies. Just Google uh, Chuck Norris movie list and the covers are fucking incredible. Look at the cover. Look at the cover of Good Guys Wear Black. 
the guy's way of I swear to God. Because you will just... Yeah. Is that the shades? Yeah, the shades, yeah. <laughs> Chuck is John T. Booker, and Booker is fighting back. Dun, 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 dun. Uh, it's a different time when I movies then. Yeah, because like, you could you could actually have a haircut like that and a moustache and not be part of the village people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be considered a proper action hero. Yeah, be considered nails. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Bring back moustaches being part of like a nails thing. Yeah, you know? yeah. And I happily have one. <laughs> Big old handlebar. Instead of like you know, instead of that line line from um, what's it, what's it, Resident Alien, I would grow a moustache, but then I would have to become a firefighter. Oh and yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So you can't have a mustache without being considered the fiddler. Yeah, There's yeah. No way. You know, and those shades and that thing. Look, look at that picture again. Look at that picture again. Right? Just look at that picture again. Well, yeah, good guys with black. Yeah, yeah. Just look at it again, right? Yeah. And what's the first thing you think? You think fiddler. Yeah. <laughs> you just think fiddler. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah, that is awful. He's going to have a little fiddler and a diddle, and that'll be it, like, you know? And you'll be left with a lifetime of tragic memories. <laughs> so, yeah, that's a long, that's a long break in between 1980 the octagon yeah to 2012 the expendables yeah that's because most of them are shite though because the budget yeah. is down and down yeah yeah like invasion usa it's like a melon globus it's like a golden globus yeah 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 and he worked a lot for golden globus which is great because the budget was so low they could pay chuck a lot of money and they'd go out to like b-movie theaters and drive yeah, yeah. theaters and that kind of thing and people would go and see them because you know it's chuck norris but the films weren't great what do you think stopped him sort of um becoming part of that sort of whole Schwarzenegger Stallone? Bruce Willis, I sort have of no idea. That I wish I knew. I really yeah. wish I knew. All right, because Chuck Norris could have been huge. Do you think he was like just a little bit too older? Because you know he he has got like five or six years in those, I suppose. Isn't yeah, he? but that's you know, but he is in better shape than any of those guys. Oh, sure, yeah. In shape. Yeah. He's a karate world champion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude has been like doing martial arts and snapping people in two since time immemorial. Yeah, yeah. You know? But in the nineties, was a bit of a lot. He was a walker, Texas Ranger, wasn't he? And, yeah. That's what he's known for Maybe. more than... You know what I think it is? Maybe it's because he didn't have the chisel physique that they were looking for. Yeah, So you yeah. get, like, Chuck Norris or Jean-Claude Van Damme. And Jean-Claude Van Damme is all, like, bodybuilding muscles. Yeah, yeah. And Chuck Norris is all, like, natural gym muscles and natural, you know, not... Like, I'm working on my pecs today. Delts, 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 Triceps, triceps, triceps. Leg day, leg day, leg day. He's quite unassuming, isn't he? Yeah. He doesn't look like he's hard. Like, oh, uh, well, his know. face, but it's, you know, yeah, but he doesn't... Oh, I don't know. If Chuck Norris crept up behind you in an alleyway in the dark, went, hello, you... <laughs> yeah, well, I probably wouldn't know if I... Especially if he had those shades on, that little moustache, hello. Diddle it. Diddle it. Running away, like, and his karate kicking down, then, you know, that was a fiddly way. Of course, he uh, he also appeared at, like, in uh, some of the wrestling, he appeared at WrestleMania. Did he? And stuff like that, yeah, a few years back. Oh, he did that, um, what was that TV series he did? Oh, God, for years and years and years and years. Walker, Texas. Walker, Texas, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, did that for, like, a million years. Yeah. You know? And, and that just looks boring as shit. Walker, Texas Ranger? Yeah. No, man, it was all right. Like, was it? Yeah, it wasn't bad. It wasn't, yeah. like, great. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't up there with Justified. Yeah. You know, it's not that good anywhere near. But, you know... I think that's kind of like he was doing that though. That was his payday, and he was kind of done then, wasn't he? Yeah, we used to get his ka-ching, ka-ching in, like. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Because he's you know, battered and broken. That fight with Bruce Lee took it really, it really took out me. So, so it took it. Bruce Lee, greatest fucking martial <laughs> artist ever. Oh, he was in the Goldbergs as well. Yes, he, he was. Yeah, he liked the Goldbergs, didn't he? Oh, he was also in some other film. Uh, Goldberg. Oh God, what's it? Dodgeball. Um, no, 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 no. Sidekicks. Where the kid no. imagines himself. God. Imagines himself as Chuck Norris being his best mate. Oh, shit. But that's the dude, Jonathan Brandis, is it? Jonathan Brandis? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He hung himself. That's right, yeah, he did, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Damn, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Did himself in, like. Yeah. That's the Chuck effect. Oh, you can't play Chuck Norris. <laughs> <laughs> I was going, you know what? Fucking Chuck Norris diddled and fiddled and I'm going. We can't, we can't actually go on record and say, Chuck Norris is not a fiddler nor a diddler. No. No. Nothing of the sort. He might have some disappointing political views, but, you know. <laughs> but diddler's not one of them. We're pretty sure that fiddling and diddling aren't, aren't, have nothing to do with it. So, so where do you uh, lay them with uh, Chuck Norris? What's the ultimate? Where the dragon? My favourite films? Yeah. Um, well, go for the three. Go for three. Go for three. All right, no problem. Wear the dragon. Yeah. Good guys wear black. Yeah. The oxygen. Okay. That's it. Fair enough. I guess go wear the dragon. That's it. <laughs> uh, you like one Chuck Norris. Oh, I see. No, Delta Force. I've seen those movies. But, yeah. the, but, as a, mm. but nothing actually stands out and goes, no. A screamingly great Chuck Norris performance. No, no. <laughs> no way. Oh, the Expendables, okay. obviously, as well. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Hey, this is Sean Killian from Violence, and you are listening to Mass Movement. All right, cool. Let's move on. So, um, Hot War Music, they got a new album. They have, they? Yeah. Uh, you're a fan, first of all. I don't no. think I've ever... No. That surprises me. Really? Yeah. I, Why are you not a Hot Water Music I, fan? They never... There was a time when, like, Hot Water Music were the biggest thing in punk rock. They were. They were, yeah, yeah. Just Hot Water Music, Hot Water Music. You couldn't move Hot Water Music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I like a lot of the stuff that their old label, like, No Idea Records, put out. Yeah. Really like that. I love Bar Who Ran... Um, hot water music. Yeah, but I well, ran. Sorry, deep, uh, no idea records. Yeah, but hot water music just never gelled with me. There was just something there that didn't make sense. I just couldn't get into it. They they never really hit me the same way they hit everybody else. Well, okay. Um, I'm really surprised with that. So you're not what about Chuck Reagan as a you know no. solo? No, no. Wow, solo artists from that era. Yeah, right? Tim Barry is one of the greatest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the greatest solo artists of all time. Literally, yeah. I think he's one of the greatest alternative country in Americana. So yeah, yeah, yeah I agree with that, yeah. Ever. Yeah. Um, and maybe I think it's because in my heart, I was always an Avail guy rather than a hot water music guy. I think maybe that had something to do with that it. That tends um, to be a thing, mind. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, for me, Avail just one one of the greatest fucking live bands ever. Never saw them live, but... Oh, mate, but I, saw, I saw Avail. Oh, no. Yeah, no, I did TJ's. It was Snapkeys. Maybe. maybe Snapkeys and Avail. So, I mean, T, they played TJ's two, three times. They played... Yeah, no, I definitely did see him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, I played... I went to see um, Hot uh, Avail yeah. uh, the night my daughter was born. So I went to see him and then Whoa. jumped in the car and phoned dead quick, like. Shit, man. Um, I would say how fast I was going down the motorway, but it was incredibly fast. <laughs> and Steve Scanner's hair went white that night because he, he came down from Ipswich to stay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Steve. Big shout out to Steve Scanner, who's one of, one of life's awesomest people. <laughs> Um, yeah, so yeah, this album is um, is it how long I'm trying to think how long it's been since their last one? It's uh, five years, yeah, so yeah, it's so good, it's so good. His voice just it's like he's gargling nails every fucking honestly, it's just so gruff and it's yeah, just so much passion about it. I love his voice, it just doesn't do it for me. I, I don't know why the band never did, yeah, and you know, I get that people love him, I get people adore him, I get why, yeah, it's just, yeah, that's just not for me. That's weird. I'm really surprised by that. No, as you say, they were a massive deal in um in the nineties, weren't they? Oh, you could move like when when I was writing for Fracture, and when we, yeah. like, we were writing for Fracture and Fracture's thing, Hot Water Music were the band, were yeah. the Fracture band, you know? yeah, 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 Hot Water Music reviews or something. And that's not to that's dispersions on anybody who wrote for Fracture at the time because everybody had different wildly different musical tastes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, Frac Fracture, uh, yeah, adored Hot Water Music. And I yeah. think was partly responsible 
for raising their profile in the UK to, to the extent that they did. I'd go with that, yeah, because yeah, every time you picked up a fracture, they were starting to do pop more music mm. there, and they were all over the place. They were, they were, they were the, the big thing. They played, they played um, back then, didn't they? They played TJ's pop more music. They played TJ's. Yeah. Um, I don't think I went. I think it's one of the shows I actually didn't go to because I just don't like the band. Yeah, I'm sure. So I'm trying to think who with. I'm uh, might have been the the band we don't mention, but you know, was it? Lost Prophets. Oh, no, 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 but yeah. I mean, so I can't say I've been a massive fan of their career. I've always, I've always admired them. This album really hit on was really good. Really, really good. His voice is just like fucking, like I said, gargling nails or something. Just gets better, his voice. They just, yeah, they're just not for, not for me, like, no? not for me. No, I, they just, I just never made that connection with them. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, again, it's, it's, it's not even, per, it's probably a very personal thing for some reason. Like I say, I was always an avail guy. Often is this. Immediately always grabbed me. In a weird while, there's all that's been throughout hardcore music, mm. like you know, like Agnostic Front's Chromax, yeah, like Earth Crisis Snapcase, yeah, well, it's like Agnostic Front Chromax, Agnostic Front, yeah, 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 yeah. I agree, Earth, yeah, Earth Crisis Snapcase, neither, <laughs> snap case. both sides, Agnostic Front, <laughs> Agnostic Front yeah. <laughs> both sides, yeah, um, it's it's always been like, like um, Stamping Ground Knuckles, I know, we Stamping Ground, always, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, another stuff. That's not a great band live. They are. It's yeah. just the stamping ground always hit me in a way that Knuckle Dust never could. Well, none of these. I mean, you know, I know you like Chromax too. Yeah. But if you're going to make me choose, then it's... It's going to be Gnostic Front. Yeah, I'm yeah. going to take Front over Chromax. I love the Chromax. Yeah. But, yeah. It's Gnostic weird. I was like that, though. Like, you know... Yeah. But it's just... You make it, it's, it's, it's a very emotional connection, I think, you make with Yeah. Music, and, and certainly with bands and, like, the lyrical stance and the, the way they see the world. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. that, I think, helps shape... The reason that I much prefer Avail to Hogwarts music is why, yeah. why I'm an Avail guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I just like that sort of um, sense of the open road and adventure that they've got and their, their political stance and the way they see the yeah, 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 yeah. the world, the way yeah. they view the social economic situation of, of the average everyday guy. Yeah. And because Tim Barry gave me one of the best interviews I've ever had for the very first issue of Mass Movement. Oh, did he? Oh, that's yeah. what I've seen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was just awesome to speak to and he remembered it every single time afterwards wow to the point where when i went to see him um that night the, the same night she was born like she was almost born after yeah, yeah. Know, we made the hospital in time and stuff so yeah don't panic i didn't go see him <laughs> <laughs> <Don't be mad. laughs> he came up giving me a massive bear hug and said you're having a baby boy and it's just like oh man that's cool he is just yeah he's one of life's good guys cool man um, and I think Tim Barry ever does. I will always support Hope. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, you would have that, yeah. Yeah. One of the best dudes I've met in punk rock. I so, was... yeah, that was Hot Water Music. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Hot Water Music got tempered with a little bit of a veil. Yeah, yeah. No, the new album is awesome. It's, uh, it's absolutely awesome. Everybody goes so, tell the folks out. a bit about it, Chris. Where can they get this new Hot Water Music? Uh, uh, go to Equal Vision. It's on Equal Vision. Go to their, uh, their site and. What's it called? Feel the Void. Feel the void. Feel the void. Feel the void. <laughs> Not feel the void. Feel the void. Like feel as in touchy feely. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and it's great. You should read it honestly. If you like sort of. What, touchy feely or feel the void? <laughs> highly charged, emotive punk rock uh, with sort of bit of sort of bluegrass Americana thrown in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, check out Veil and Hot World Music. Hot World Music. <laughs> Drugies, boozes, trumpets, and losers. Don't touch the fucking. Vertical, don't touch the fucking horizontal because that's television. This is the mass movement podcast. Take care, rock.
heavy rock animal and may your children be born with hair. Okay, cool. Let's um, let's deep dive a band, Tim. Let's deep dive a band, Chris. Um, sadly, they've, they've just called it a day. They've just called it a day, which is which really really sucks. The mighty, uh, mighty Boston. The mighty mighty Boston. Yeah, man. Yeah. So um, where what's, where do you uh, where do you begin with I these go guys? All the way back to the first album. Yeah. Yeah. Whoa. Um, yeah. They are that old, are they? That wasn't that. They are that old. Yeah. <laughs> you cheeky fuck. <laughs> so. Uh, I read about the Mighty Mighty Boss Stones in, I think, Flipside. Yeah. And the main reason I wanted to check out the Mighty Mighty Boss Stones was because their bass player, Joe Gittleman. Right. Who was in the Mighty 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 Boss Stones. And then he went on to play in Gangrene. Yeah. Right. And then from Gangrene, he went back to the Boss Stones. And I first met Joe Gittleman playing yeah. through Gangrene. Oh, okay. So when he goes back to Boss Stones, they become a proper band and they start giving. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then The Devil's Night Out was released on Tang Records. I was fortunate enough to get a copy on CD. Yeah. And it blew my mind, literally. I I, I struggled with uh, Boston because I, I hit them in the wrong time, basically. Mm. So uh, being slightly younger than you, I was that. Do you went like fucking the pop punk, ska punk thing exploded? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I if I'd found Boston first, I would like because they're the best at it. Right, so when I heard that album, and then I went out to work in Pennsylvania. Yeah. And I was out there for quite a while, as you know. And they released their second album while I was out there, More Noise yeah. and Other Disturbances, which I picked up then. I also got two T-shirts of the Boston's punk rock shop in Philadelphia. Nice. Um, and missed out on seeing them in New York because uh, Kathy didn't want to go down and see him that night. Yeah. Flew home, eventually, and... Cheap Sweaty Fun announced they were going to have a 100 show, right? Right. 100th Cheap Sweaty Fun show. Yeah. And playing on this 100th show was supposed to be the Cowboy Killers. Yeah. The Boston's, DOA, and Therapy. Wow. Right? And this show was a, was was horrendous for lots of things. So John Ticola's wife, Chilby, yeah. died the morning of the show. So, so oh, it wasn't going to be held in TJ's. Yeah. So they found a replacement venue at the St. James Labour Club in Pill. Yeah. In Newport, right? Yeah. So it's moved to there. Then Michael McKeegan's Nan dies, so therapy aren't coming to play. Oh man! Right? Yeah. So they don't play it, so it ends up being the Cowboy Killers, yeah, the Mighty Mighty Boston's, yeah. DOA. Right? Shit! Hell of a show. Yeah, literally man. hell of a show. And like, the, I think the only person emotional, was, uh, yeah, the only really. person who'd heard all the Boston stuff that time, along with me, was Pickens, Mark Yeah, yeah. Because he came in the minibus and like. When we get new records, we'd always like, you've got to hear this fucking band. Yeah, you've got to hear this fucking it. band. Do, 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 do. Yeah, come yeah, on, yeah. come over, listener. And like, we, he would, he sat there like me, just yeah. like, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So it was the more noise than the disturbances tour that they're playing. Yeah. So they hit the stage in Pill, and they just go bang, and in their suits, and they just kick off, and automatically the whole place just went spastic. I can imagine, The yeah. whole floor was up and dancing, right? And... We were there with a, one of the guys who went with us was called Chris, Chris Kyle. Yeah. I went to school with Chris for the entire And Chris was always a bit clumsy and a bit like, had a tendency to be <clears throat> over enthusiastic about things sometimes, which right. people mistook for arrogance, but it's not arrogance. He's yeah, just yeah, a yeah. really enthusiastic, lovely guy. Yeah. And anyway, he got on stage at one point to come and do his dive off and he tripped over, right? Oh, no. And he's on all fours like this. <laughs> <laughs> and Dickie Barrett yeah. thinks, now's a good time to take a break inside. And he sat on Chris. 
and sees the rest of the podcast. <laughs> on all fours, like, because Sticky Barrett's not a small fella. Yeah, yeah. And me and John Evans were wetting ourselves laughing. We never <laughs> let Chris forget it to this day. Wow, that's pretty cool. But they hit the stage and they played and they were awesome and they were just. You know, we know when you hear a band like you listen to a record and you hear what they're like in your head, and yeah, you yeah. imagine visually what they're like, they were exactly like that. Yeah, they yeah. Were just incredible. And I've seen them, I think, three or four times since then. Well, maybe they do that whole sort of ska punk thing best. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's a lot of shit out there in the ska punk. Oh, absolutely. But, um, you know, but they do it properly, they do it them, best. And I would say, forgive me for this, right? The Mad Caddies and the Skanking Pickle. No, yeah, Skanking Pickle. 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 Skanking, spanking people, spanking people. Fuck it, I can't speak. Now, Christopher, I told you pickle. before. Leave what what goes on in the dungeon stays <laughs> in the dungeon, right? It's more spanking people. Spanking people. <laughs> yeah, skanking people. I agree with you. Yeah, but um, so where you at with uh? Because I mean, they broke the name quite big in the yeah. yeah. I have no 90s. problem with them. I have no problem yeah. with them being big. And over the years, yeah, MTV like, big, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Over the years, I didn't view like Ben Carr and Joe Gittleman and Nicky mm. Barrett. Um, and I'd always want to talk to them. Yeah. I'd always want to talk to Joe Gittman because he's fascinating and he's like in my head he was bass god Yeah, because when I picked up a bass the two players I learned or three players I learned to play listening to were Joe Gittleman Josh yeah, 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 and um, Bomber Mark L yeah. just trying to work out Bomber's stuff yeah, yeah. I do Flammox for hours like people yeah. listen to Cliff Burton and I think no 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 this is weird this yeah. what is he doing this doesn't work yeah. right Joe Gittleman is a hell of a bass player. And he's one of those like underrecognized bass players where you go, Are you really doing that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How? How are you playing that? That's just impossible. Scarpunk is driven by bass and drum. It's like yeah. it's very much the uh... Gittleman was Gittleman was and isn't yeah. you know, musicians. Why is it why he teaches music in, in university? You know? Yeah, oh, doctor of music, Gittleman, I think. It's a professor of music, doctor of music, something like that. Yeah. Um, I mean they, they went out on a high. The last album when God was great. Um, I reviewed for Mass Movement. Yeah. It was awesome. They had um, uh, what's his name from Murphy's Law, Jimmy G. You know, Jimmy G was on there. Freddie Madball's on there. Uh, Tim well, they, they always seem to go down better with like the New York crew. Yeah, New yeah, York yeah. On the yeah. East Coast, and they yeah. the West Coast. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think maybe it's because they're from Boston. They've got that East Coast sensibility, and they're yeah. all from hardcore bands from the Boston scene anyway. Yeah, you know, yeah. They, they're very scene driven, very scene orientated. Well, I remember I, I interviewed Dicky uh, at that time, but we couldn't play in the end. Uh, because he'd signed a contract uh, with somebody saying he couldn't go on another podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I do have we do have an interview with uh, with Dicky, which was great. And I love you guys to listen to it, but we can't play it for but you. We can't play <laughs> it. Because, yeah. we, apparently, we can type it up, so I might do that. Legal obligations. So yeah, yeah. Well, if you've got the time, Chris will type yeah. it up yeah, yeah, yeah. on the on the site. But, yeah, because yeah. um, Dicky Barrett ended up being the warm up man for Jimmy Kimmel. Yes. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so he's like a naturally funny guy yeah. in his own right. So will he do, pursue a career in stand-up comedy? I hope so. I think he, I think he's going to do something with podcasting and comedy and some combination of everything. Yeah. He is somebody who sort of he's got the right um, energy for it. Hasn't he? Yeah, he's naturally funny and it's yeah, like, totally. charismatic. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Like Ben yeah. Carr, like the, the Ben Carr, the major Boston, the Boston Ben Carr. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dancing dude just holds everything together. Yeah, hideously funny. Is he hideously funny? <laughs> Charming guy, really, really nice. So where did you um? Fall on your favourite... Uh, More Noise and Other Disturbances. Boston's second album. Wow, okay. Just mind-blowingly good. Yeah. Mind-blowingly good. If you want a lesson in how Scarcore should be played, yeah, right, that's the record to listen to because nothing even comes close to touching it. Wow, okay. It's just the definitive Scarcore record. Awesome. I think. I would have gone Devil's Night Out, but it's fine. Well, each to their own. <laughs>
And you just think, Bob, read no. Yeah, you know. Who doesn't know? Let's be fair. This is Jeff from Naked Ray Gun using the mass movement. Okay, so, Tim, you got to speak to Marie Sutro. I did. Awesome thriller writer from California. Her new book's out now. Okay. Um, Marie is one of those writers who, when you start reading the stuff, you won't put it down. It's proper pop boiler. So, and you, you, it would be, it would do a disservice to say it was an airport thriller. Yeah. Because she's her writing is intelligent, insightful, and clever. Okay. At the same time, so yeah, Dark Obsessions is the new book, um, and it's out now, I believe. It is out now. Yeah. yeah. So. So you got to chat to her. And- yeah. That's just what that sounds like. Yes, here's, here's the interview with Marie. Okay, so as this is for Mass Movement, the first question we always ask everybody is, what's your geekiest pleasure in life? My geekiest pleasure in life is probably on Saturday nights when instead of going out with other people and living a regular social life, I stay in and watch old B-movies. Oh, nice. Horror. Yeah, yeah, nice, nice. Uh, and specifically ones that are hosted by folks that are definitely appealing to that fun audience. Uh, there's a couple of shows here in the U.S. that are really fun where the characters dress up, the hosts dress up. It's a proper old school horror host. Proper old school horror host. Excellent. Excellent. So what kind of movies you, do, you, do you usually watch on those things? Is it the, the old 30s and 40s and 50s ultra B movies, the, the, the sort of drive-in specials? Yeah, very yeah, cool. Uh, that's my favorite. You know, the Wasp Woman, the Spider, all of those. Yeah, those great old black and whites. I also do like the Hammer films, and you know, I'll even do stuff that's that's more modern uh, as well. But that's the core: is the old black and whites. Those have my heart. Okay, so the real kind of pulp and noir infused films. Okay, so. I want to ask you about Detective Kate Barnes because you've got a new book out, haven't you? Yes, I do. Okay, do you want to tell us a bit about it? Yeah, so this is the second book in the series, and it follows, as you said, Detective Kate Barnes, who's a San Francisco police detective. Mm-hmm. And this is the second book. She's fresh off the heels of a really nasty run-in with an insidious serial killer. And... Kate's problem is she's kind of a rookie detective. Okay. So she went up against this really nasty killer who was really leagues ahead of her. And she really got banged up in the process emotionally and mentally. And so at the end of the last book, we find her starting to look back on her life and say, gee, are there some things from my past that perhaps I need to look at? and maybe put to rest maybe i've just been running forward and never really taking everything and organizing that closet of history so she goes up to the olympic peninsula in washington state in the pacific northwest and she goes there trying to kind of find peace in her life and find closure for issues but unfortunately a body is discovered right and of course because she's been in this high profile case the local law enforcement asks her to help. Well, it sounds riveting. I haven't had the chance to read it yet because of, because of work and one thing or another. But I am going to read it, and we are going to review it. 
on my spoon as well because it just sounds fascinating. It's, it's the kind of thing we love to read, you know. Um, so writing is it an obsession with you, or is it just something you've stumbled into? Well, it's interesting. My love of writing came out of my love of reading. Okay. And when I was a little girl, my mom, you know, I got to that age where mom said you have to sleep in your own bed. <laughs> but there was there was a little wrinkle, and the wrinkle was you could stay in bed with mom if you were reading while mom was reading before she went to bed. Right. So I, I hooked onto that wrinkle, and every night I had a book, and I fell deeper and deeper in love with stories, specifically puzzles. And that whole mystery genre, um, I don't know if you're familiar with the Encyclopedia Brown series for kids. No, no, no. Uh, just like who stole whose lunch pail, that type of thing, you <laughs> okay. know, the innocuous kid mysteries. And from then I went on to Nancy Drew and the Hardy Boys, and eventually on to Sir Arthur Conan Doyle and, you know, Sherlock Holmes. Everything that I could really get my hands on because oh. I just loved the puzzles. And then, uh, as you may have seen from my bio, my family history kind of plays a part. My father, my grandfather, and my great-grandfather all served in the San Francisco Police Department. Right. So it's family history tying in with your love of mystery that sort of made, has pushed you in this sort of literary direction, yeah? Exactly. And I love, I love the gift of being able to write stories for other people. Okay. Because... I've just received so much from reading other people's work that being able to do it for someone else and put them in a, in a different place. And especially that's why I love writing thrillers because it's one thing to write something dramatic, but it's another thing to actually get someone's heart to beat a little faster, especially just from words on a page. Right. So do you think words have a cathartic power then? I do. I think they're one of the most powerful things we have. I think we take them for granted so much in our daily vernacular that we don't, I, I, I tend to be a bit of a word nerd. <laughs> so that's the reason uh, it, it took me, I will say forever to read Tolkien right. because I was so in love with all of his elvish words and all the different, you know, what's the dialect? What does this sound like? Where do you find out how this gets pronounced? You know, um, there's just so much about that, that, that I love and I, and I love what we can convey to each other through words. So it's the formation of language as much as the power of the words themselves. Right, I got exactly. you. So, what, who, who and what inspires you as a writer? Because as, as writers, we're all, we're all inspired by something other than our personal lives or, or, or the world around us. There's, there's always a writer or a filmmaker that inspires what we do. Well, there's quite a few people writers that I get inspiration, also movie makers. Right. One of the things that, that really creeps into my writing a lot, people have heard many times that it's cinematic. And the specific type of cinema uh, that I absolutely adore is Alfred Hitchcock. So I love getting, I love creating scenes where you bring the reader into that moment of suspense and you get them to hang in a second and then the screen just goes dark. Right. And they're left with their own thoughts. And I, I, I love that. And it's it, it's something you see often in my books. So does that tie in with Kate, where Kate has ended up coming in the second novel and that she's trapped inside her own head trying to exercise her own demons? Because there's nothing worse or more terrifying than things we imagine that are out there rather than the actuality of a situation. That's very true. And 
the psychology, I do spend a good amount of time studying psychology, studying the human condition uh, from not only the empathetic standpoint of a human being, trying mm -hmm. to understand other humans, but also the, the scientific approach to it. Uh, the first book dealt with psychopathy, and so I spent a good amount of time researching that uh, on a literary basis, interviewing folks in the academic world to try to understand it better. And you're absolutely right about that. What we all imagine, and I think that's why I loved Hitchcock so much, right. is he just gave you enough to get your imagination going. And because he did that, I, as the viewer, am now a participant. Right. I'm not just sitting back, receiving it. I'm participating in the creation of it. So it's just an extremely powerful medium, and, and I was always very... Um, very impacted by that so yes quite a few writers um there are darker sides obviously my series each book is called dark so people like stephen king bentley little uh, tons of people kind of filtering in those ways because i do like looking at and maybe it's the family history mm -hmm. that side of humanity you know why do people do the things they do to other people and what makes them do it and how do people who've been the victim of something do they continue to stay a victim or do they turn it around and still push through to meaningful wonderful lives so very fascinating stuff but uh, is it i mean you i said you studied psychopathy isn't it true that some victims then become predators themselves and take on the mantle that, that is true yeah so it's just yes and it's that whole yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting field of study because there's there's the concept of nature versus nurture, mm -hmm. and there's plenty of folks, um, the co-ed killer out of Santa Cruz, California, I mentioned him in my first book, He his mother treated him very poorly when he was a little boy, and she yeah. used to lock him in the basement in their home in Northern California, a horrible, horrible situation, and she kept his sister and any females away from him, even when he was too young to have even thought of doing anything to these poor girls. And, you know, doing that to someone, you can only imagine that that would break even a grown yeah. human, like a twig, let alone a child. So he goes on to, um, to kill college co-eds around University of Santa, uh, Santa Cruz. And, one day, they can, police can't find him. One day, he shows up to the police station and turns himself in. And he turns himself in and says, yeah, I'm the guy who's done all this, and I just killed my last victim. It was my mom, and I'm done. I'm good now. So, you know, these killers can be made, but some are born. So it just depends on, unfortunately, so many, so many factors that go into it. So when I was reading your bio, you started work on the third novel, all right, didn't you? Yes, I have. <laughs> I mean, the second one isn't due to be released until like the 26th of this month, I believe. That's correct. And the third one's already started, so you've, you've, you're jumping ahead to try and get ahead. So, the, right. So, I'm assuming that Kate makes out this novel a lot. <laughs> because, they, they, you know, um, I'm waiting for the next one. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a, yeah, that's a fair assumption. <laughs> it, it, it's a spoiler, but well, yeah, yeah. it's a fair assumption that I, I, I am on I am at work on the third and I had originally envisioned it as a three book arc. Okay. But 
I see how many, like there's so many dimensions to Kate and there's so many places to take her right. and the way that she's growing, I really falling in love with her. So I'm not sure if I want to end their story at three books or not. We'll have to see. Um, why end it there? Because the, the, the great thing about characters, they take a life, take on a life of their own. When you start writing them, you don't know where they're going to end up. And so this, this could be the, the, she could be the gift that keeps on giving the character that really should go, go the distance. And I think that's probably true because I noticed that uh, a lot of readers are very passionate about Kate, right. what she does, what she doesn't do, why she does it, uh, what her motivations are. Uh, I just did an interview the other day where someone said, well, I didn't like what Kate did here. And I, I love it because whether you like what she did or, she, or you didn't like it, when you're passionate about it, then you cared. So I, I, I absolutely love that. Uh, but she, yeah, she is, she really does have legs. And I think she's not a one dimensional character that only needs three stories. So it may very well happen, Tim. This is what we like to hear. So where can people get their copy of Dark Obsessions? Really through any major retailer, you can even get it through your favorite independent bookstores. Uh -huh. um, there's IndieBound Bookshop, all of those different retailers where you can you know, pick it up at your local shop if you want to support your local store, which I think is awesome. Uh, and it is available for pre-order now until the 26th, then it'll be generally available. All right. Well, thank you for your time, Marie. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. And when we review the book, I will be sending you the link for that as well. Um, and I'll send you the link for the podcast. Likewise, thank you so much. Oh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for your time. Okay, bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, that was uh, Tim talking with the wonderful Marie Sutro. You can go and get Dark Obsessions, which is out now. Yeah, from Barnes & Noble, Waterstones, Amazon, anywhere you buy books, you can get this book. Yeah, you can go to her website. You go to mariesutro.com. You can even pick it up from there. Yeah, she probably sign it for you too. Yeah. But check a couple extra quid if you do because, you know, She's worth Appreciate it. good writers. Hell yeah. Marie's hell of a writer. Hell yeah. Right then, time for some shout outs. Time for some shout outs. Who are we going to give shout outs to? Steve Scanner, who I mentioned briefly before. Yeah, yeah. Because um, Steve Scanner is one of my fellow zine writers from way, way, way back in the day. Uh, now lives in New Zealand, and I don't get to see Steve often enough, or anywhere near often enough, or talk to him anywhere often enough. So, Steve, you rule, brother. Boston's for the music. Boston's for the music. Thank you, guys. Else. Just, you know, you're going to be missed. We miss you. Yeah. And Frank Grillo for Boss Level. Yeah. Let's hope somebody like yes. Frank Greedo has the career that Chuck Norris never did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Marie, for the interview. Marie, for the interview. interview. Yep. Yeah. Being awesome. Yeah, so um, until All next time. Engineer Records. Oh, no, no, I'm not thanking them. Not thanking them. Fuck them. <laughs> fuck them. Fuck them. No. And, and to, quote, to quote the almighty Jason Mewes, fuck them. Fuck them <laughs> in their stupid asses. <laughs> no, of course, Engineer Records. Thank you, David. Thank you for anything we do. Uh, and that is the end of the show. Yep, yeah, well, we'll see you next time, folks. Uh, ta ta. Bye bye. Bath Movement presents. Bath Movement presents.